morning and welcome to Mission Church. Would you stand with us as we continue, as we continue, as we sing together, as we worship in song together. Good morning and welcome to Mission Church. Before I introduce myself, I'd like to invite our pastor staff up. And if you are a board member here at Mission, please join me as well. My name is Liz Horex. I am a very fortunate member of our church board. And typically in October, we recognize our pastors. So what we'd like to do is, of course, we're having them stand here with us. During first service, we gave them a token of our appreciation. Um, 
But here's where you can get involved. Hi, Pastor Wes. Such a youth pastor. <laughs> but here's where you can help us, and here's where you can get involved. Out in the courtyard, there's a table. Their pictures are on it, and we have thank you note cards that we would like you to fill out. Certainly a word of encouragement, you know, telling them in person would be wonderful, but we also want you to take the time to please write a note of appreciation and put it in the baskets there. We'll do it this week and next week, and it's very meaningful for them to hear from you. We want to support our staff. We want them to know we love them. The church board meets with Pastor Vic and Pastor Tony once a month, and then You know, we review things, we discuss things, we provide feedback, and then every quarter the staff comes in to let us know how they're doing, uh, what we can pray for, and it's a great conversation. So, But we want to encourage you, please, if you can, to go ahead and fill out a thank you card for that. Um, Let me welcome the visitors and we'll pray. That was part of what I do. This is a bulletin, a church bulletin. It's got a lot of great, great information in there with all the activities. Our staff love God, but they love us. They love us too. And they work so hard for us to make sure that we have many opportunities to further and deepen our faith, to maybe be exposed to things that we weren't aware of before. So this bulletin here is important to all of us, new folks as well as members, to make sure that we know everything going on. On the back here too, many of you might not, or you might not have had the opportunity to look at the back. It's got the staff there as well as their contact information if you ever need to reach out to them. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, we are so, so grateful to be here today. We are grateful for being able to worship in a free country where we have the choice and the option to attend church services. We certainly want to lift up our staff today, God. We love them. We know they love us. They work very hard. We want to encourage their support, their learning, and let them know that we deeply, deeply care for them and love them very much. We're blessed to have them, Lord, and thank you so much for that. And in Jesus' name we pray that. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much on behalf of our our whole team, our staff. I just want to thank um, thank you for being so generous and kind and patient with us. But also, I want to thank the Lord for our church board. We have an awesome church board. You know that? I've been working with church boards for 30 years, and we have a church, an awesome church board, and I love them. Give our board a hand. Would you do that? Thank you, guys. I appreciate it and sincerely, and uh, it's awesome. Also, I think we have, you know, we, I have to mention this. We have this guy that's turning 40 today. Pastor Jeff, would you t- stand, please? I'm sorry, you're turning 30. Come on up, stand up for a second. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's great. I'm proud of that. I want to invite those that just finished our membership class to come and join me up here real quick. There's some of you that are here this morning that went through our membership class, a couple of our youth, and uh, I'm going to have them just kind of stand right here and face the congregation. And uh, I have uh, something I want to hand to you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, I tell you what, this was a delight, you know, meeting with all these beautiful young faces, uh, but I need to say they're inquisitive. They had a lot of challenging questions, and, uh, but that made some, for a good conversation, and I really, really, sincerely, truly enjoyed just spending time with you guys, getting to know you a little bit. The privileges and the blessings that we have in the Church of Jesus Christ are very precious and sacred. We have, uh, we have Christian fellowship, you know, accomplishing things that are otherwise could not be accomplished if we were just, you know, an island to ourselves. We experience this experience called corporate worship, and we gather together with other believers, and, and there's this camaraderie and spirit that just kind of heats our spirit up, and that's, that's a blessing. That's a part of the church. You also have those that are teaching you in Sunday school and discipling you. You have a pastor. I'm proud. Each of you have age group pastors, but I'm proud to be also your pastor and to be an encouragement to you in your journey with Jesus Christ. The doctrines upon which our church rests as essential to the Christian experience are brief. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, um, and we especially emphasize the deity of Jesus Christ and, of course, the personality of the Holy Spirit. You know, the scripture teaches us that we are, are born in sin and that we need the work of forgiveness, justification, regeneration to become adopted, to be a part of God's family. 
We also have learned that subsequent to this, there is a deeper work, a heart cleansing that we talk to or talk about as entire sanctification and that the Holy Spirit gives witness to that as well. Uh, we know that one day God's going to break open human history again and Christ will return and, and he'll call all those that are living and dead to himself and then, then there will be that day of judgment. If you believe these things to be true, respond by saying, I do. If you right now proclaiming publicly that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and we all shared a testimony, so I know that you already believe in Christ and you've, you've submitted to God and you've invited Jesus to be a part of your, your life. But formally, I want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior today? Respond by saying, I do. Amen. Amen. And I want to ask the congregation, congregation, will you receive them into full membership this morning, embracing them, loving them, discipling them? If so, respond by saying yes. All right. Awesome. So uh, we have for you today just a little bit of a kind of a memorabilia here. Whoops. Sorry about that. You're Clarissa. I know that. And Amber. Amen. Love you guys. So let me pray a blessing on them. Father in heaven, I thank you for this uh, membership class. I thank you, Lord, that you're working in, in people's hearts and lives. Lord, we just love you, Jesus. We're so honored to be a part of, of your family. Thank you, God, for first loving us. Bless these members, I pray, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Ladies. We're going to continue worshiping through song. Would you stand with me? And I just have a little plug.
Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can you imagine the idea? I mean, what they're proposing for us here this morning in this beautiful uh, rendition. And thank you so much, choir. That was so beautiful. But the idea is that, that when we walk with Jesus and we encounter, we encounter God, it's more than just the idea that, you know, okay, uh, we're Christians and we go to church, but it's the idea that we are changed. I mean, can you remember that when you encountered Christ in such a way in your life? Can you go back to that time or that place where you met Jesus and your life was just, it was completely changed? And you realize that when you woke up the very next morning, your life was different than the day before because you encountered the living Christ. And you see, that's what happens when you meet Jesus. When you meet Jesus, something changes. Your life is transformed. And there is a difference in the way that you begin to live that life. I think James is, you know, really good at helping us understand this. In fact, we've been in the series for the last few weeks uh, called I Faith, of course. And we're just wrapping it up today. So I invite you, if you're a guest, just to jump in with us and just kind of follow along in the study that we've been on. So if you have God's Word, let's go to James chapter 1. And we're going to pick up there in verse 9. I trust that you brought the word with you or the scripture. Or, or maybe if you didn't, you can follow along on the screen here behind me. As we look at James chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. And, you know, James, it looks like he's just kind of all over the map. But once you really kind of back up, just pan back a little bit, you begin to see that there is an overarching idea that James, you know, has has in mind. There, there is something that he's saying. And so just bear with me as we look at this passage together, again, beginning in James chapter 1, looking at verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossoms falls, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Now, this is a really uh, detailed way of saying that, that there's not much in life that is permanent. I mean, there's so much in life that is, that is uh, you know, passing. In fact, everything about life, it seems like it's, it's really temporary. We've experienced that. In fact, the, the older I get, I'm 56 years of age, and the more that I experience life, isn't this right, Molly? The more that we experience life, the more we realize that things, you know, are changing and that you're not 56 years old. I know that. You're, you're young, but, but anyways, but we know that nothing really is, is permanent. And, and we realize at the end of our life, and just walking with my family through the passing of my mother-in-law and some others even in the church that have just recently been called to glory, the more that I, 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 I get that life is just so temporary, and, and the thing that matters at the end of life is, is our family and the relationship that we have with those that we call family. I mean, that's the most important thing. And then, the, and then also our relationship with Jesus Christ. That, that's so very important that we understand that, that life is temporary, but all these other things, you know, that we're talking about. Of course, Christ, family, is so very important. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And of course, we've been talking about, you know, testing faith, maturing faith. We've been talking about the, the fact that life is a test. How many agree with that this morning? That life is a test, right? We have a lot of tests that we go through and challenges. And then looking at verse 13, follow me. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now, it's interesting that we're reading here that God is, is not the one that's tempting us. I mean, he, he wants us to know, he wants us to be reminded of, of his character. Remember, God, he's not trying to make life more difficult. He's not trying to put tests on us so that, you know, life is a challenge. He, he loves us. And, and I think that the reminder here that James gives us is that God is a loving God and that God is a merciful God. And when I think about how much God forgives me, my heart is moved because God is a forgiving God. How many have ever been forgiven by God? 
And we are reminded of that, and a heart should swell with emotion as we think about how forgiving God is, that he's forgiven us of our sin, he's washed our, our life clean, he's accepted us and, and redeemed us, and we have this relationship that is just fresh and it's new. And the exciting thing about that is that you can go to the Lord again today and God will show you that same mercy all over again. And I don't know what you're going through in life, what your challenges are, young people, teenagers. I, I know you guys are challenged. And I think you guys face way more challenges, more tests, more temptations than I ever had to. I mean, this, this life, this world is different. And, and I'm telling you, I pray for our young people. And my heart goes out to you. But yet I'm so thankful for a loving, forgiving God. Amen. God is a, a forgiving God. And then we, we, we look at the passage here, again, verse 14 uh, and 15. And then we are reminded that we are, we are creations of free will. That God has given us a free will and that, that uh, we, we can make decisions that affect our future. And, and there are these results because of the decisions that we make. So it's important. Equally so, as I speak to our teenagers, it's equally important that we, we make good decisions because there's going to be certain outcomes based on those decisions that we make in life, and we need to know that. We, we have free will. Amen. Now, the reason I'm so intrigued by James, and just bear with me because we're going to kind of cover a lot of ground here this morning, and, and then hopefully at the end I'll kind of bring it together with some kind of you know, point, some kind of idea, but... The reason I'm so intrigued by James is that it attempts and accomplishes something that really hits home. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's doing, it's not, or that it's doing what other scripture is not doing. I mean, scripture is relevant, and there are so many different ways that scripture can be applied and how different pieces and parts of the scripture, you know, affects us and our faith and our, 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 our faith walk. Um, some of the passages in God's Word, you know, it tells the story, the story of God's people. We know that. And the Synoptic Gospels, it gives us a, a recorded history of the life of our, our, our Savior, the Messiah. And so we need to know what his life was about and what it was like. And, and we see that there in the Synoptic Gospels. But James invites us. I mean, he's different. Because he invites us, and I don't know if this is a good way of saying it. I can't think of any other way to say it. I kind of wrestled with this. But James invites us to get down with our faith. He invites us to, to wrestle with the idea of what it means to live our faith out in the day-to-day -day life. I, I'll never forget being a father with a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And, and I was thinking about this while I was studying about what it was like when my kids were little, Wes, and, and I'd get down on the living room floor and they would kind of wrestle with me and I'd grab their legs and take their legs out from under them and lay them down and another little, you know, one of our toddlers would jump on me and we'd roll around and we'd wrestle together and we'd live life together. We'd just kind of grow together. And see, James is inviting us to do the same thing with our faith, that we, we get down with our faith and we wrestle with it and we understand it and we allow God to work in our life in a way that maybe... You know, in other parts that we're not challenged in that same similar way. Maybe this is why sometimes it's looked at as kind of, you know, as wisdom literature. Because James is so didactic and he, and he says, okay, do this and do this and do this. Because he's trying to help us with our faith. Maybe to make it more relevant, I could mention, remember, it was written in the first century. And in the first century, man, Christians were being challenged. They were being attacked from all sides. And what James' goal was, was, was to give them, you know, spiritual direction, spiritual strength, and moral victory. How can we have moral victory in this world that is so challenging, and there's so many difficult obstacles that we have to overcome? And I think he was emotional about the fact that we've got to wrestle with our faith, and we have to work it out. In fact, the theme of, of the book, if we pan back and look at it, we, we can see the theme... Lord is lifted in his his uh, his commitment to to his theology as he communicates really the primary message which is God's act of redemption for mankind. That's what James wants us really to see, he wants us to see that God is a redeeming God. And yes, he's redeeming us, he's redeeming his creation, he's he's redeeming and calling us to his kingdom. 
And I love that about James because, again, he, he challenges us to get down and kind of wrestle through and understand the theology and how it's lived out in our everyday life. Now, he does not abandon or neglect, you know, what we've already learned in, in the Old Testament. He doesn't, you know, teach something that's contrary, you know, to the law, say the law of circumcision or the prophetic understanding of holiness. He, he doesn't, you know, direct us in a way that is contrary to what's already been taught. And even though he was kind of uh, debated a, a bit when the scripture is being canonized, there are many that kind of debated trying to not include James. But man, I'm glad they did. Because again, James is kind of showing us the practical side of how we are to live our faith out. And again, Again, his, his words do not, you know, contradict what we've already learned in, in the law or by the law, the Old Testament. We find that James points out that Jesus' teaching does well in defining the law, new and old, even better than what we've maybe even read before. And so James does that. We find that James sees the law as something that gives us freedom, and that's, that's really key. By definition, freedom is defined as not lacking, this is scripture, not lacking, but to be mature and complete in the wholeness. And so he has this idea that, that as the early church receives his word, that they have this opportunity of being first fruits under the dispensation of grace. So that they can live this holy life or this, this life out as Jesus lived it out before them. And they can be kind of sort of the first fruits. In chapter 1 and verse 8, look at that for a moment. Chapter 1 and verse 8 we read, To bring about the righteous life that God desires for us. So as we listen to the words of James, he said, okay, now here's how we do this. Again, sounding didactic in nature, but, but the fact is this is how we live our faith out so that we are really changed. Because we started by saying that, remember, as the choir was singing about the life that's changed. So, so how do we live our faith out day to day so that our life is really changed? James is very explicit that that this understanding of Jesus' teachings is, is not apart from faith, by the way. That's key. Think about that. It's not apart from faith. In fact, he makes 16 different references about having faith. James does. 16 different references about having faith in our spiritual walk so that our spirituality, relationship with Christ, is real because of living it out. Amen. So he gets us, again, to just wrestle with our faith in this metaphor of wrestling. He brings it down to, to reality. Now, now, notice the natural progression of, of our spiritual walk. He begins with faith. That's testing faith and maturing faith. We're talking about that the last couple Sundays. Remember that? Testing faith and maturing faith. And then what's the next natural progression? It's, it's deeds, you know, our deeds in life, which is really our wholehearted obedience to Christ because we believe in Christ. We want to follow Christ and, and live like Christ. It is about Jesus. Amen. But in that wholehearted commitment or obedience, then there are these deeds that we commit to. And then, of course, the next logical step, you can see that there, is maturity. So it's faith and deeds and maturity, which is the wholeness of our Christian character that comes in Christ Jesus. So this, again, just invites us to wrestle with the redemptive story of God and his creation. Now, our passage wrestling here has to do with, with material wealth. And it's interesting, it begins that way, and then again, it's like he's all over the board or all over the map. But he begins with this, this idea of material wealth. And, and probably very much so because of it's the first century, right? It's the first century, and, and that, that culture probably was wrestling with some pretty serious issues, just like our culture is. And we say, wow, we're wrestling with some pretty serious issues. And you can imagine the early church there, you know, living there at a time, you know, you'd think, well, there, there are signs of, you know, being civilized at that time. But if you really do some historical research, that, that culture at that time, I mean, it, it, it was challenging. I mean, for new believers, I mean, there was the unfairness and the balance of power in the, the Roman Empire, and of course, the soldiers and, and the pressure that's being presented there and the economic system and, and, and most likely immoral financial pursuits with lying and deception. And, and, and you can imagine in that century the, the rampant human exploitation that was happening. And, and so the challenges of the early believer, they, they, were, they were huge. And James is, is trying to walk with them through that, that this is how you live your faith out. 
so part of the wrestling match, I mean, the big part of it was, was the money. Now, money does a lot of good things. We know that. And, and we need money for missions. This church is so big on missions. And, and money can do a lot of positive things, right? But also, at the same time, money can cause many of the significant spiritual trials that we face, like, you know, maybe fear, fear because, you know, we're unable to, you know, pay our bills, or maybe uh, there's troubling anxieties in our life because of the financial needs that we know that our family has or our children have, and, and we're trying to figure out how to come up with the money and, and, and provide this so that we can meet the needs of our family, or, or maybe, how about these emotions, financial mistakes that we've made, fathers or mothers, Financial mistakes that we've made and then now we're racked with guilt or maybe despair because maybe, you know, we're not handling the money that we have the right way and maybe it's debt or credit cards and all this is piling up. And so there's emotions of self-pity sometimes and certainly stress. I mean, all of these things. And, and the end result, I think James understood this, that the end result obviously is then maybe bitterness in our spirit because money's affected us. And, and there's this bitterness. And now we're saying, okay, how do we live our faith out through this? And James gives us, you know, some help in, in directing us here and, and clearly identifying with the early believers and the challenge that they were facing because they were being tested by their moral convictions, trying to live them out in that culture and obviously being tested maybe by their temptations, just as we teenagers are tested today by temptation, Right? And we're tempted. And in that, the midst of those temptations, how do we live our faith out so that our life is changed? Again, we pan back, and, and James is saying something. He has a message, and the message is the redemption for all mankind. I mean, the reason that Jesus became flesh. The redemption for all mankind. It's like James is asking what can we do today that will make tomorrow different, church? What can we do today so that tomorrow is the evidence of our faith today? And so that we're changed and we wake up tomorrow and we realize that something's been changed, something is transformed, and something is different because we've been impacted by the truth of Christ, and now it's affecting us. We have faith, and we make this decision, and God moves. You see, what's the message of the, the, the book is redemption for all mankind. So we have to define redemption. How do we define redemption? Well, the Hebrew word for redemption is parak. And parak means to tear loose. It's to render. It's like being set free. It's like when you apply it, say, to the market in that century, it's like someone buying back a slave and so that they can set them free and give them their freedom. And so they've been torn loose from their slavery. Parak, they've been torn loose from that. And it's just like the biblical idea where man is freely justified by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus, remember, he goes to the cross and he, he takes the punishment that is ours by justice. It is ours. We should be punished for our sin. But Jesus takes his own shoulders so that we can have freedom. And you see, it's that punishment that's torn away from us, rendered away from us because of the act of Jesus Christ. That's redemption. Amen. Hell yeah. <laughs> James puts a point to it when he's, he's reminding, he says, redemption in Christ is a redemption that requires us to wrestle with what we need to tear loose from our lives, in my paraphrased words. What we need to parak what we need to parak, what needs to be torn loose from our lives. Redemption helps us wrestle with that one thing that prevents us from experiencing freedom, that prevents us from rising up and having complete spiritual fulfillment as God wants us to have because there is something that is there that maybe we're wrestling with and you know God is speaking to you about it and He wants to parak, He wants to tear that from you so that you might have everlasting life. I, I think, for me in my life, I think what happens is I get kind of, you know, on a path and, and, and it's just kind of like a mediocre path and I get into the rhythm of life and what happens is I forget the spiritual urgency of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I, 
I fail to remember or remind myself that there is an urgency in my spiritual walk that God wants me to have, an urgency to hear his voice, because it's possible that God is working and stirring in me, and he wants to parak, he wants to tear something away, something out of my life that does not belong, that prevents me from rising up to receive all that he wants me to receive. We fail to have that urgency in our life. Like one pastor, he tells a story to kind of uh, communicate what urgency can feel like. Uh, this pastor by the name of Tim Wilson from Colorado, he tells the story when he was in uh, paratrooper school. He says, sitting on the hard wooden benches or bleachers at Fort Benning while attending the United States Army Airborne School, we prepared for our first parachute jump. Soon we would soar hundreds of feet above the red Georgia clay and hear the jump master bark out the orders. Stand up, hook up, (laughs) check equipment, stand in the door. The light flashes, go, go, go. Understandably, the instructors had our undivided attention. The airborne sergeant's voice rang out confidently as he explained what to do in case of a parachute malfunction. If your main parachute should fail to deploy, don't panic. Pull the handle of your auxiliary parachute. Should your auxiliary parachute fail to fill with air, don't panic. Pull it towards your body and then vigorously throw it away from yourself. Should your auxiliary parachute again fail to deploy, he says, don't panic. Vigorously repeat the process. He paused dramatically, looking intently into our eyes. Then with a slight mischievous grin, he slowly stated, should this also fail, don't panic. You'll have the rest of your life to get your parachute to deploy. <laughs> I'll never forget such urgency. I'll never forget when my wife and I had almost the unbearable experience of watching our two boys jump out of a plane. Our, our boys were, I think, 26 and 24 at the time, Remington and Abram. And Remington's going to be here in a couple of weeks with our new granddaughter. And, uh, and, and Remington decided, I think it was his 25th year birthday, he decided he wanted a parachute for the first time. And he talked his little brother into joining him. And I'll never forget that afternoon when my wife and I are standing down there in the field and we are watching our boys tumble towards the earth. <laughs> Such anxiety. As we're watching them and we're hoping with urgency that those chutes, those parachutes will open and they'll work, and they'll do their job. That was urgent. We were passionate about that. I'm wondering, when was the last time that that we were urgent about our spiritual faith and the faith that we have in God and what God is doing in our life? When was the last time we sensed an urgency that we hear His voice and we respond to what God is saying to us? I love that passage in 2 Corinthians 6-2. That reads, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Listen to that. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I mean, now is the time of God's favor. I mean, it's now that God wants to speak to you and do something and maybe parak and remove something from your life that does not belong. You see, tomorrow's coming. I wonder what can we do? I mean, what decision can we make today that will make tomorrow different, that that tomorrow we wake up and it's completely different because God has done something in our life today and we've been transformed because we've heard his voice and God has been speaking and maybe saying to you, speaking to you about something and it's parak, that you're to be rendered from something, that he wants to tear something out of your life that does not belong I want to invite you just to hear God's voice this morning. Not my voice, but God's voice. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you, Lord, that God, that you, you are God that speaks. And that, Lord, that you are speaking right now into that one life. That individual this morning or that young man or that teenager. That, Lord, that maybe you've been stirring them. You've been speaking to them, and Lord, it's, it's just about something that maybe, maybe only you know about, God, you and them. And then you're saying, Father, you're saying to them right now, Lord, I, I want to take this. I want to take this from you. Maybe us as, as believers sitting here today, 
we're hearing your voice. You're saying, Parak. You're saying, release it to me. Give it to me. I want to take it. Maybe you're weary and maybe you're tired of whatever it is that you've been wrestling with and you're saying, Jesus, I need your help right now. I cannot be set free of this without your help. And so, Lord, I'm just going to trust you right now. Pray that way. Lord, I'm going to trust you right now. I'm going to, I'm going to take this thing. I'm going to give it to you. Maybe it's the need to forgive somebody. Maybe, maybe it's a need of a spirit of unity in the group of people that you spend time with. Or maybe it's possible that maybe God is speaking to you about something in your life that does not belong. It could be sin. Hearing the word parak. God's wanting to tear it out and take it away so that you can rise up and be all that God's called you to be. I want to invite you just to respond to the Lord right now in your prayer time, saying, Father, I want to give this to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna just turn it over to you right now, Father. I need you to take this from me. Lord, I'm just giving it to you right now. Our heads bowed, eyes closed, you're praying, you're talking to Jesus right now. You're saying, Lord, I'm going to invite you just to take this. Tear it away from me. Help me to rise up to you, Father, to be all that you've called me to be. And so, Father, I'm just submitting it to you. I'm submitting this to you right now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father in heaven, for hearing this prayer. And, Lord, speaking to that, that, that man right now, that father that is, Lord, maybe being challenged by finances. And they've been overwhelmed by worry. And they're just saying, God, I'm going to just trust you. I'm giving this to you. I'm not going to worry. Maybe it's possible that it's a young person and they've been challenged with something in their life and it's been there for a while and they're tired of it and they're saying, Jesus, I need to trust you. I'm going to give this to you right now. So, Father, I just I just pray that you just go to them right now this morning and that you would just give them peace as they're praying this word. They're saying, Lord, take it. Parak, Lord, just tear it away from me that it's no longer present in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing that word. I want to invite you with your heads bowed, eyes closed. You're praying that way. Would you just take a moment and lift your hand? You've been praying, Lord, I'm going to invite you to take this from me right now. You know what it is. God bless you. Somebody else. God bless you. God bless you. Several of you. Anybody else? Lord, I'm going to invite you to take this. I need you to tear it out of my life. You know, it's not doing me any good. I need help with this, Father. God bless you. God bless you. I need help with this right now. Nobody's looking around. Eyes closed. God bless you. Nobody's looking around. Our youth, our teenagers, is the Lord speaking to you about something he wants to just take from your life and remove it because it does not glorify him. The Lord's speaking to your heart this morning, young people today. God loves you. He's calling you right now. Respond to him this morning. Anybody else, just lift your hand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, what you're doing. God bless you. Thank you, Father. Father in heaven, we just submit ourselves to you today. In submission, we, we want to honor you too. And this morning, we're going to honor you and, and show our, our thanks by partaking in this, this supper. The Eucharist. And so, Lord, I pray that as we just prepare our hearts this morning and we give to you what you're wanting to take away right now. I pray, Lord, that you would just bring that to completion even as we take this communion together. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. I'm going to invite us to stand in preparation for the Lord's Supper today. Invite our servers to come and Robert will help you find your places. And I, I want to invite us today to be reminded that that yes, this is individual and it's, it's personal as you come before the Lord and you reflectively and respectfully receive the sacrament in just a moment. But I want to invite us just to pause for just long enough. Could we do that? Could we just pause long enough, be quiet enough so that we can hear God's voice? Because the Lord, He is a redemptive God. He's redeeming His church. He wants to redeem his people, and he wants to redeem you this morning. And so I invite you to pause long enough to hear his voice as you prepare for communion. And as you come and you receive the elements, that you would be reminded that Jesus Christ loved you so much that he gave his life 
on Calvary. He died on the cross for you. That's what this represents. This, this bread that is his broken body. And then he shed his blood on that Calvary, on that cross. So that you might be redeemed. So that you might have everlasting life. And so I want to invite you just reflectively just to be thankful as you come. And for some of us, many of you just lift your hand. Lord, I need you to rip this from me. I need you to take this from me. Whatever it is, I invite you to come and receive communion in faith. That God has given you everlasting life. He set you free. And that work is being brought to completion even now. Amen? Because you prayed that way. We believe it in faith. You prayed that way. So let's receive communion that way. What we're going to do in just a moment when I release you, I'm going to invite these two sections here to, to exit. Uh, towards the center and then you come and receive the elements and then you go back to your seat this section up this aisle and this section you'll go up this aisle this section over here exit to your right and then go back up this aisle here this section exit to your left and then go back up this aisle here let's stay uh, stick with that and i believe we'll kind of have a smooth transition here so once you go ahead and come and receive the elements hang on to them when you get back to your seat we'll take them together and i'll give you instructions of that stand together out of respect for the sacrament this morning. The Lord himself ordained the holy sacrament. He commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and wine, emblems of his broken body and shed blood. This table, this is a feast for his disciples. Let all those who have a true repentance forsaken their sins and have believed in Christ unto salvation draw near and take these emblems and by faith partake of the life of Jesus Christ to your souls comfort and joy 
Let us remember that it is the memorial of the death and the passion of our Lord, also a token of his coming again. Let us not forget that we are one at one table with the Lord. We hold in our fingers this morning the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you, preserved you blameless unto everlasting life. Take now and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. this morning the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ which was shed for you preserve you blameless unto everlasting life take now and drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you let us pray Lord we are reminded that the same night that you were betrayed you took bread when you'd given thanks you broke it and gave it to your disciples saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me likewise after supper he took the cup when you'd given thanks he gave it to them saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you then you instructed them to do this whenever they drink it in remembrance of me Father, we just come today to participate in this very holy sacrament to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for creating us and giving us life. Thank you, Father, that, that Lord, that you are present here and that, Lord, that we can experience all the glory and all the joy that you intend for us and your kingdom right now. And it's possible that some have come into the sanctuary, and even if it's just one, and they feel like they've been missing something, that the, the joy has just not been there, this, this purpose in life. And I pray that, Father in heaven, that maybe even in this Holy Communion that they'd be reminded that, Lord, that you love them so much so that you gave your life for them. And so, Lord, we're just humbled. We're humbled by the fact that, Lord, that you're still working on us and that you're still setting us free, that we might have freedom in you, Lord. And so, Lord, I thank you for your word, James. It just reminds us and shows us how to live spiritually. And, and Lord, help us to apply these truths. Help us, Lord, to walk away and, and that many of us tomorrow, if not all of us, that we will wake up tomorrow and things will be changed because we put our faith in you. Whatever it is that we've let go of, whatever it is that we've we've given to you in faith, Lord. Tomorrow we will be changed. It will be different, Father, because we're trusting you. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God, for being so forgiving. Thank you for forgiving that one this morning right now. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen and amen. I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Let's May the Lord go with you. May you walk in his peace as you serve him. And remember that God, he's still working in you. He hasn't given up on you. Amen. And so go and, and serve the Lord. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here.